Hey, if I've not gotten the chance to meet you, I'm Russ. Uh, I'm on the team here, and you can just consider me your crazy uncle from Lancaster. Uh, I get the privilege of serving the Lancaster campus. If you're brand new, we're one church, two locations. You could say it this way. We're one house with two rooms, and I get the privilege to serve our Lancaster team. Would you help me make them welcome? I want to say hello to my Lancaster family. Man, and I'm pumped to be here. Anybody excited? Why don't you turn to the person beside you really quick and tell them, say, man, how lucky are you that you get to sit by me today? Just tell them, how lucky are you? Now I want you to do something. I want you to annoy the other person and just shake them by the shoulder really good and say, uh, this weird guy on stage is here to have some fun. Anybody believe church can be fun? All right, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, um, I'm so pumped to be with you. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Also, if you're new and you hate today, come back next week because I'm not the main lead pastor. And uh, so it is my privilege, though, to serve with you. And just like Pastor Kevin mentioned, I want to say this, too. Uh, thank you for every first-time guest that's here with us. Uh, you could be anywhere. And here's what I know. It takes courage to step into a new space. And uh, just a little snapshot of my story. I'm originally from the southeast, and I moved here a little over a year ago from Atlanta to be a part of a church where uh, no matter where you come from, what you've been a part of, what you've done, what you believe, you can actually belong before you believe, and you can walk into a space and feel at home and feel accepted, and there be a life-giving environment to feed your soul with hope. And so it's awesome to be here because that's why I am here, and I believe, even if you don't believe in God today, I believe that you're not here by accident, that you're here for a reason, and God has something special for you. So I want to encourage you to pray with me. Uh, and if you don't believe in God, say a crazy, uh, a crazy, a crazy prayer. <laughs> it's it's going to be a fun day. God, if you're out there, reveal yourself to me. And then if you are a follower of Jesus, why don't you ask God to speak to you and for today, not just to be another day of going through motions, but that God might have something specific for you today that could change the rest of your life. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that this word has the power to change everything. And so would you pray with me, Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that we get to come together as a family, and we get to come together as a church, as a body, as a community, and gather around your word, knowing that your word has the power of life and death, and knowing that in your presence all things are possible. Miracles can happen right now. And we're believing that. We're asking for that in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Anybody looked for anything recently? Anybody? Been on a search for that missing sock? Judah, you had a missing sock? Let us, will you let us know when it's found? Anybody lost a wallet? Anybody ever had that? A great day where the, the, the wallet's lost? We've got a lot of responsible people in this room that have never lost anything. And anybody passionately looked for something recently? Anybody like me, um, there's something I look for pretty often. It's called where I'm going. Um, any, anybody, anybody else like me, just horrible directions. And uh, you really struggle with this, and you're thankful we live in a day and age of a GPS. Um, I am, you might think you're the worst person with directions. I am the literal worst person with directions. And um, I found this out when I got here. One of the things, um, I joke about this, we're raising funds for anybody excited to go into Canal Winchester, that new building. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. We're raising funds for it. We're praying God provide for us. Do what only you can do. But would you also pray with me that we're able to raise funds for directional signage in the central offices. Because I still get lost from time to time, Janice. 
And I'll walk around, and the staff took advantage of this when I first got here, because uh, if you haven't been, you need to come visit us. I'm telling you, if you make it from the front to the end within 15 seconds without any help from the Holy Spirit or angels or anybody else that's with you, we will give you a hunk of cheese at the end and give you a gift card to Applebee's, and we'll just call it a day because you have the eighth gift of the Spirit. You are Magellan. You can find new continents without any help from anybody else. But I'm not that person. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, and they used to, in meetings, when I would have to step out, they would turn the lights out, and they would duck down. So that when I would come back around to the meeting, I couldn't find them. They thought it was funny. And I'd walk around in circles until I was dizzy. And I just, I, sometimes I'd give up and I'd go back over to, and I didn't tell you all this, but I'd go over back to the Lancaster campus and I would just uh, read a book because I couldn't find them. I'm that bad with directions and I hate to bring this up. And they found the picture, but the first time I preached from this platform, I couldn't find my way off the stage. I, you know, you, you want to make, you, there's, there's moments you want to make a good exit, right? You know, you win an argument, you, uh, you, you get in a big fight. When you get done preaching the word of God, you kind of want to walk off and it be smooth. Other than I walked off and I didn't know where to go. So I walked back here. And then how do, how do you be cool walking off from a message and standing behind drums? Do you start playing? <laughs> do, what, what do you do? I didn't know what to do. So I, I stood behind the drums. And so <sighs> I looked. For a way out. Anybody looked for anything recently? I want to tell you, this may surprise you, there's something God is looking for today. And you may think um, that it is uh, for you to be a better Christian. Man, I just need to behave better. I need to be a better church person. I need to be a better religious person. But there's something God's looking for, and we get a glimpse of this in a really fascinating story in John chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If if you don't have a Bible, no worries. We'll have it on the screen for you. But Jesus meets this lady, and what happens to her is what none of us want to have happen to us. Her whole life story gets played out in front of the world. This is a person with a five-time strikeout record of marriage. She's been married five times, divorced five times. She's now living with a guy that's not her husband. And Jesus walks up to her at the water cooler of Israel, so to speak, at the well, and he reads her Male. He tells her what's going on in her life. She's a little bit nervous, a little bit vulnerable. She does what a lot of us do when God's putting his finger on an area of our life. She kind of deflects and says, well, hey, let's talk about worship. Oh, do you like the new Hillsong? Do you like the new Bethel? Uh, and Jesus is like, well, let's talk about what's really going on in your life. And again, she does what we do. Well, let's talk about the end times. You know, I've been reading this book lately. That, and does the what we do. We deflect. She deflects. Jesus rolls with it. And he makes a fascinating statement and I want you to check this out, what Jesus says. He says, but the time is coming. Turn to your neighbor, say, the time's now. Say it like you mean it, say, the time's now. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then, can we just read this together? The Father is looking for those who will worship. All right, touch your neighbor, say, you too. So let's say it together. The Father is looking for those who who will worship. Can I tell you something you may not know about yourself? You were created to be a worshiper. The reason you're alive is you were made by God and for God. You may be in the room today and you're like, I don't even believe in God, but I would encourage you to go home and look at your bank account, look at the things you talk about most, look at the things that you think about, talk about, and you'll, you'll realize you and I were created to worship. If maybe you're not a worshiper, go to a concert, go to a football game. You'll see people were created to worship. 
And what I love is um, it doesn't say the Father is looking for workers. If you're like me, sometimes that's the first place I go in church. And maybe you're like me and you're like, you, you wonder a lot of times, man, what am I made to do? What am I created to do? What is my career path? What is this? Maybe you're going to go through XU today, and I hope you do. We want you to serve. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. There's no greater joy than to step into a story that's bigger than your own and use your gifts and your calling and your passion to be a part of what God is building on planet Earth. But can I tell you, the primary thing, the first thing God is drawn to is not for us to be a worker, but for us to be a worshiper. For us to have our hearts so captured by God that life stops revolving around us, but we start revolving around God. And can I just tell you, it is only actually out of the greatest worship that comes the greatest work. If you want to have an eternal impact, can I tell you, it's your depth that will determine your width. God told Daniel, those that know me will do great exploits. And here's one of the other things that I love most about this story is God doesn't give the invitation to be a worshiper to a good church person. He gives it to the person that feels like they've struck out their whole life. So here's the beautiful news today. Maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe you don't even believe in God. Maybe you used to believe in God. Maybe you used to be close to Jesus, but you feel far away. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how big of a failure you feel like, how many times you've struck out in every area of your life, the invitation is on the table today that you can be a worshiper. And this, this person, this woman's story is a billboard for the grace of God. And so what is worship? Because you're like, okay, that all sounds great. I would love to step into that maybe. You've almost got me convinced. But uh, is worship the few songs we do before the talk? Is that what it is? Do I just need to sing Hillsong a little bit louder? Do I need to stop listening to, you know, Kanye? Actually, you can listen to Kanye. Isn't that cool? I'm just kidding. But whatever, whatever it is, do I just need? But here, here's the deal. Worship's not a slow song. Worship is a whole heart, whole life response to God wrecking my life with his mercy in the best possible way. And now I got, a, I got a case of can't help myself. You ever been so in love you can't help yourself? Anybody falling in love? You better raise your hand if you're sitting by your spouse. Okay, okay, I know we're too holy. Hey, your hands won't get cut off if, if they raise. Hey, anybody raise their hands and say, uh, you know, I've been in love before. And you got a case of you can't help yourself. That's what worship is. Man, God, you've wrecked my heart so much I can't help myself. And so... I want to give back to you, and um, I want to suggest two things that make up a life of worship. You can say it this way. Worship is a lifestyle. Let's say that together. Worship is a lifestyle, and uh, since note-takers are history makers, why don't you write the first one down? Uh, a lifestyle of worship begins first with the priorities of my life. I think we know this. Uh, I'll say what you already know. We treasure what we prioritize. And we prioritize what we treasure. How many knows it's one thing to say something with your lips, but your life doesn't say it with your actions? But when God gets a hold of your life, when you realize, God, you've given me everything, you, your heart responds with worship. The Bible calls this uh, first fruits. Anybody familiar with that? Maybe you've been in church a while, you've heard that. It starts back in, in Genesis when uh, Cain and Abel, Abel brought God the first fruits, and simply it just means the first and the best of what God had entrusted to him. And we see that pattern all throughout Old Testament and New Testament, giving God the first and the best of our lives. I, I love the paraphrase of Proverbs 3.9 in the message translation. It says this. It says, honor God with everything you own. So honor God with some of Honor God with Sunday. <laughs> honor God with the song that gives me goosebumps. 
honor God with everything I own, and then let's say this together, give him the first and the best. The first and the best. You know, I don't know what your story is. Um, I was raised in, in, in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was raised, I've probably told you my story a few times before, but I was that kid that I hated church more than school. Like, it was so boring to me. I, I hated it. But something happened when God got a hold of my life that it was like I found treasure, and I became obsessed. And out of that obsession, there, there began in me a desire that, man, God, I want to give you not my leftovers, but my best. There began a desire in me that God, I love when Paul's writing to this one church in, uh, in Colossae. It's called the Colossian. If, if you've read the letter, and he says, he makes this interesting statement. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears. Not when Christ that you try to add to as a part of your life, but when Christ, who's become your all in all, appears. In other words, he's become my best, so I want to give him the first and the best. So honor God with everything you own, give him the first and the best, and your barns will burst. This is, this is the promise attached to giving God your first and your best. Your barns will burst. This is what you've been praying for all week, right? God, touch Aunt Susie's toe fungus. Uh, Lord, heal my dog that's sick. Lord, touch, you know, my family that's going through all that stuff. I, I pray my uncle won't return for a while because, you know, all that deal. Whatever it may be, and God, would you let my barns just explode? I know this on your prayer list. So what does this mean? Your barns simply means the resources God has entrusted to you. And when we give God our first and our best, there is a way that God orders our life when we order our lives to where blessings follow. Anybody want more blessings to follow in your life? And God says when you give them the first and the best, your barns will burst. In other words, God will entrust you with more as you're faithful for what he's entrusted to you. And then it says your wine vats will brim over. Wine in the Bible simply means it symbolizes the presence of God. It symbolizes the blessings of God, the favor of God. And he says, when you give them the first and the best, the barns will burst and the wine vats will spill over. Anybody want more of that in your life? Because I want that in my life. And a uh, simple, super practical illustration um, to, to show how this works. Because here's the deal. When we give God the first and the best, it's about him, not us. But can I tell you as a side benefit, blessings follow. Um, you may have seen something like this. Uh, fun fact, when we did this in the, the, the 930, the barns literally did explode, and uh, a couple of the vases bust, and there's still my blood on the side of um, this new vase that we got. So don't be freaked out, and pray for me that it doesn't bust again. Okay, but let's pretend that this illustrates um, your life. This jar illustrates the capacity of your life. See, this is a principle that's super insultingly simple, but if you apply it, it will change everything about your life. And the principle is this. It's not just what you have in your life. It's the order of what you put in your life. So it's not just what you do. I would write this down. It's what you do first. In fact, this is super simple. If you're simple like me, uh, this will help you. We, you can write this down. We win in life when we start with God. We win in life when we start with God. So, so if you're anything like me, here's what I usually do. This is the capacity of your life, and this is all the stuff in your life. So this is, anybody feel like you could use more time, more hours of the day, anybody else besides me? Um, so th this is all the television we watch. Uh, th this is the traffic jams. This is the emails you've got to return. Anybody want to go back to the day before emails? Um, these are the unreturned text messages. These are, um, th th let's be honest, half of this is Instagram or Facebook 
or Netflix. This is, th- these are all the things in our life, and here are the things that we're used to doing. Anybody like me, sometimes there's things you're used to doing you don't even think about anymore. you just always done it that way, and they're wasting my time. But, but then I have these big rocks. I have these priorities that I would like to add in. So I'd like to put God first in my finances, but after I've paid the bills and then bought that pair of shoes on sale that I just had to have, and after I've done this, and I've ate, after all is said and done, I'd like to add generosity, but it just doesn't fit. After all of that, you know, I'd love to go to an XU class. I'd love to, uh, you know, I don't know, join a small group. I'd love to, to put God first in my day, but it just won't fit. But what if you flip the script in life? What, what if you did something, we're going to call it this way, I'll write this down. What if you did Big Rocks first? What if in my life I said, God, I don't want life to happen to me. I want to happen to life. I want to win in life, so I'm going to start with God. I want to show you something, something super practical, but it's powerful, and that's this. If I decide that I'm going to put big rocks first, if I decide, hey, can I tell you something crazy I've been doing lately? I've not been checking social media till the middle of the day. And the room just gets deathly pale and uh I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, Becca, this is, this is nutty talk, isn't it? This is nuts. So if you're anything like me, I go for a quick scroll. That's a lie from hell. A quick scroll through social media after I've realized that everybody else is better than me <laughs> and better looking and more talented and has, you know, after, after I notice all those things, then after I see all the slander of political news, then after I'm discouraged by everything, because the news isn't going to tell you the good things that are happening. It's only going to tell you the bad things that's going to happen. It's only going to tell you the people that fell morally. It's only going to tell you that we're all going to die of cancer because we ate a piece of lettuce or, you know, we, we ate a donut. So I've decided something. I'm, I'm going to stop starting my day with this stuff, and I'm going to start starting my day with God. So I've made a decision. The first thing I'm going to look at is not political news. I'm actually going to get into some good news. And before the words start popping into my head that I'm not good enough and I don't have what it takes and I'll never make it and I'm just a failure and I'll never get through this thing, I'm going to let the blood of Jesus speak a better word that I'm a son of God, that the spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead is inside of me, that I'm more than a conqueror and that I have a hope and a future, that my name's written in heaven and that no weapon formed against me will prosper and that all the things that are happening in my life, God's working the good, the bad, and the ugly for my good and his glory and that at the end of the day, I'm going to win, and that I'm actually loved and prized and treasured and adopted, that God has a plan for my life, that I actually serve the living king. I'm a child of the most high God, lavishly loved, treasured, royal prince of the king of the universe. And before I get in anybody else's presence or the world's presence, I'm going to get in God's presence, and I'm going to let his word bathe over the spirit of my soul. And I'm not going to let all these little pebbles steal my life, but I'm actually going to start with some big rocks. In my finances, I'm actually going to believe that my 90% bless goes further than my 100% without the blessing of God, and that I can't outgive God, and that I'm not going to wait till it adds up uh, mathematically, but God's math is better than my math, and that the 10% belongs to him, and since he gave me his 100%, my act of worship is to at least trust him with my first 10% and give him the first fruits, and I want to show you something crazy that happens. What didn't fit before will fit now. Isn't that crazy? And we may have done the math wrong now that the blood broke the other jar. But if you put big rocks first, I want to tell you that your order determines your capacity. Your order can change your week. Jesus said it this way. Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added. Instead of what I tend to do is I seek the other things first and then try to add God into the equation. Is this helping anybody? I know this is super practical, but what would it look like to put big rocks first and watch God do the rest? We win in life when we start with God. So the first thing is this. It's the priorities of my life. But the second thing is there's a chair that only I can sit in. There is a chair that only you can sit in, and that is the chair of my personal worship. Can I tell you that no one can tell your spouse that you love them except you? And no one can tell God I love him in my place except me. This is where I'm going to try not to preach. Because this is where I get excited. Because Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You ever been so full in your heart about something you can't shut up about it? Anybody? You, you ever been so full in your heart you, you, you can't contain the excitement? You know, Pastor, I can just tell you're a really excited person. It is true I'm a really excited person. But can I tell you why I get so excited in these moments? Can I give you a little bit of a secret? You want a secret? Ask your neighbor if they want a secret. I'm trying to wake you up a little bit. Ask the other person if they want a secret. Say, I want a secret. Say, Pastor, I really, really want a secret. Okay, well, since you asked, I'm going to tell you a little secret. When I put God the first and the best throughout the week, and I sit in the place that only I can sit in throughout the week, I'm telling you, if, if, you've ever, if anybody in the room has ever been as messed up as I've been, anybody in the room ever been through a valley, anybody in the room, be honest enough, say you've ever been through a storm, you ever been through a season you didn't know how you'd get through, you ever screwed up so bad you wonder, can I ever return home to the Father's love? If you're anything like me, you've been there, and I'm telling you, something happens when God gets a hold of your life, and that way that you can't help. Sometimes you're just riding down, this past week, I was just riding down the road, and it was really bad traffic, and so I just had to turn off the radio and say, God, I love you so much. Man, I'm so thankful for your grace. I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. And can I tell you a secret? When we give God the first and the best throughout the week, and we give God our praise throughout the week, Sunday mornings, I don't need a cheerleader to get me excited because it has been swelling in me all week, and the crescendo is Sunday. This isn't the warm-up. This is the game. See, all week it's been swelling, and so the, so the issue is not can Pastor Trey get me fired up enough. It's can I constrain myself not to attack the stage when the first note hits. Because God's love has been firing me up through the week. Hebrews 13, 15 says it this way. Therefore, through Jesus, let us continually offer a sacrifice, not a convenience, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, the priorities of my life and the praise of my lips. You can say it this way. You can write this down. A life of worship is my actions and my affections. It's my actions and my Affections. One of the stories I love that illustrates this best is another Jesus story. In Luke 17, um, Jesus comes across a group of lepers. And if you're not familiar with ancient times, leprosy was this horrible skin disease that once it affected you, ruined your life. Um, when you had leprosy, uh, the truth is they would consider you religiously unclean, so you could never go back to church. Can you imagine somebody telling you today, oh, I see that spot on your arm. You can never go back to church. You are defiled in the sight of God. They remove you from the camp. They considered you physically unclean and contaminated, so you were literally removed from your family. So can you imagine on one day uh, contracting a disease that literally caused you to be cut off from your community and your family 
alone to die and suffer in shame and guilt the rest of your life. And that was a leper in ancient times. And so there's 10 of these lepers, and you can just imagine, they're outside the camp, they're realizing life's never going to get better, but they hear a rumor of a man named Jesus. And they hear a rumor that this man, Jesus, not only has the power to heal them, but he's loving and he's willing to heal them. I believe that's what's happening throughout this whole day today in both Lancaster and Lithopolis. There's people that are walking in this place without hope. They're hearing rumors of a man that loves to give hope to the hopeless and loves to give mercy to those that need mercy and actually didn't come for the healthy but came for the sick because he loves us so much. These lepers heal this rumor. So they start crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Can I tell you, sometimes we think we got to complicate prayer. Can I tell you, some of the greatest prayers are the prayers from the heart and the tears are a language God understands. And sometimes you just need to say, Jesus, I need you. And they said, Jesus, we need you. And Jesus came and he healed them. It wasn't super spectacular fashion. He just said, go show yourselves to the priest. And they were healed. And then look what it says at the end after they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Tell your, tell your neighbor, say, they came back. They came back to Jesus shouting. Can we just try this together? I think this will be a fun exercise. On three, we're just going to shout what they shouted. They shouted praise God. I know that sounds really, really churchy, but we're just going to try it together. On three. One, two, three. Praise God. I mean, wouldn't you if you were a leper? Jesus just healed you? Let's try it again. I mean, even just a little bit louder this time. Let's try to wake up the kids that are downstairs, the, the, uh, the kids' workers, the kids' ministry. Are, you know, they're trying to, let's just bother them real quick. One, two, three. Praise God. did that feel good? Liberating even? They praised, one came back and said, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he'd done. And this man was a Samaritan. By the way, they threw that into the story because they hated Samaritans, and there was a lot of racism there. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Did only one come back to give glory to God? Can I tell you something? Pastor, why are you shouting? I'll tell you why I'm shouting. If you ever go to Lancaster and you see this weird-looking guy on the front row bouncing up and down and lifting his arms and going crazy, can I tell you, it's not because I'm spiritual and it's not because I'm really religious and I got this church thing down. There is one thing and one thing only you need to know about me. I'm the leper. I'm the leper that didn't deserve the second, fifth, and 97th chance. I'm the leper that was on my way to an eternity separated from God, but for whatever reason, God got a hold of me by his grace, and God intervened in my story, and the valley that I never thought I'd go through, God saw me to the other side, and God said, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make you what I could have never made you. Oh, I need to speak hope into somebody's soul today that the thing you think you won't get through, God can get you through that thing, and God can give you a brand new future. God is not looking at you through the lens of your past, but through the lens of your future, and God can do extraordinarily above anything you could ever even imagine and because of that I've decided because Jesus said this he said if the people don't praise me even the rocks will cry out and I made a decision a long time ago I'm the leper so there's never going to be a rock cry out in my place even if the other nine never come back to praise even if nobody else will lift their hands behind me even if nobody else will go crazy even if nobody else will clap their hands I'm a leper and I don't ever want to get used to the grace of God I don't ever want to get numb to his mercy. I don't ever want to play church. I would say it this way, grace this good demands a response. You ever seen a movie so good you just had to respond? 
You ever been to a concert so good you can't help it? Even if you're not a type A, your hands, oh, oh my gosh, they start floating and they start swaying. One time, I know this is crazy because I'm not a country music fan. One time I was, a, I was at a Tim McGraw concert. I know it's crazy. And before I knew it, my hands were swaying. And this is really embarrassing. This is really weird because I was, <laughs> I was used to, I'm sorry. I was getting tickled thinking about it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. all right. All right, don't know if I'll get through this one. But I remember at a Tim McGraw concert, I started swaying. <laughs> and it was almost like I was worshiping. My friend beside me said, what in the world are you doing? Uh, that you're at a Tim McGraw concert. And I said, I know, sorry. So I hope they edit this out, and I hope that you forget that I said this. But I'll never forget that I couldn't help my response because something moved me. So what response do you give? I mean, it's a lifestyle, sure. It's giving God the first and the best. It's spending time with Jesus through the week. But, man, when we get the chance to worship God, what's our response? It, I, here's some options from, just from the Bible. I won't tell you what I do. I'll tell you what David said. David said, I'll dance before the Lord. David said, I'll shout. David said, I'll clap my hands. Psalm 63 says this, because your love is better than life, I will praise you with my lips, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Can we all just do this together? I will lift up my hands. You say, well, I didn't come from a, a hand-lifting church. Well, then you're not allowed to. <laughs> hey, I didn't either. I was raised in a, in a church that was so formal, a Presbyterian church, that if I would have clapped, I'm pretty sure they would have taken me out back behind the barn and shot me. I'm not lying. One time in communion, the communion, the grape juice was so good to this eight-year-old that uh, in a deadly silent church, I go, <sighs> and to my horror, the whole 1,000 super formal, classy Presbyterian people looked right at my parents, and my mom put her head in her hands, and she was terrified. I was a teenager the first time I walked into one of these weird churches where people did this, and I asked my best friend, I said, bro, this is a really bad time to ask questions. Why are these weird people have their hands up? So if you're brand new and you're like, this is weird, I get it. But somewhere along the way, the grace of God hit my life and I couldn't help but respond. And I said, man, I, I can't help but to give God not a convenient praise, but a sacrifice of praise. And can I tell you, when God does something on the inside, it translates to the outside and it has the power, like Paul and Silas, to break the chains of the people's lives around you. Can I tell you that I think sometimes, as much as I love Enneagram and all the personality tests, when it comes to our obedience and our worship to God, we sometimes put too much emphasis on it? Here's the deal. This is a house of grace. Worship however you want to. Don't ever let anybody put legalism on you. Be yourself. But, but I would encourage you to ask the question, does the response of my life to his grace, does my sacrifice of praise reflect more of the extravagance of his goodness or the Christian subculture I was brought up in? Does my response to his praise on a Sunday or throughout the week, does it reflect how bad my day was or how good God is? I had to make a, anybody had a crappy day lately? No one. Perfect. I, I need what you got. Can I tell you, I had to make a decision a long time ago that I don't, I'm not going to wait till the second song, the third song, a good song. I'm not going to wait till I feel good. I'm not going to wait till I'm super rested and not tired. No rock is going to cry out in my place. And sometimes it won't be a convenient praise. It'll be a sacrifice of praise. You say that's not my personality type. 
to lighten the moment a little bit, uh, imagine Ohio Buckeyes just won the championship. Oh, See, I did that a lot. <laughs> Y'all know nothing about that. I mean, imagine with me just for a moment. Ted Studemeyer, totally made up that name, but say he's the running back. Ted Studemeyer just went all the way and scored the touchdown for the winning championship. And here's how you respond. And here's how you respond. Now imagine with me and Janice, when, sorry, I better shut up so they can go ahead and start playing so I shut up and let you go. But I just want you, can you imagine with me the moment where they score and um, uh, Susie asks her husband, Ted, did you just say we just won the championship? And he says, honey, I saw that. Okay. Jeez, leave me alone. I'm celebrating on the inside. Honey, I get that, but did you, I don't think you understand what just happened because we weren't going, we weren't even going to win. Actually, we were going to not even make the playoffs, but we just scored and we won the chip. Honey, you know I'm an internal processor. <laughs> Jeez. You know I'm an Enneagram 5, okay? You know I'm a 1, you know I'm a blue, all right? And right now I'm celebrating, inter- that's not my essence, Honey, I was not raised in a hand-lifting stadium. Someone wins the lottery. Uh, let's pretend. She's already warned you. You better not play the lottery, but you sneak, and you go to the 7-Eleven. You go to Timmy Tom Hortons, whatever it might be. And uh, you, you get a little ticket, and you just happen to win $11.2 million. And you go home, honey, did you hear? Okay, okay, look, I, I know that you uh, you told me never to do this, so you're going to have to forgive me. But I need you to pack your bags because we're going to Hawaii. Debt's paid off. We are overnight millionaires. Well, honey, that is just that's wonderful. <laughs> honey, that is glorious. And here in my heart, I'm not picking on anybody. I actually just want to encourage you. You've won the lottery. And you may have forgotten, or maybe it never went to head to heart. But if you belong to Jesus, can I remind you that the stack of crimes against you have been wiped away forever. I'll never forget. I'll never forget, I was in Argentina about 10 years ago. I studied abroad, and someone told me, uh, the leader of this American bilingual program, they, they said, Russ, they said, we're going to ready to take you guys to a two-week trip to the Andes Mountains for vacation, and you're going to see a site in the mountains that's going to be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And uh, I'll never forget, I, I, I said, okay. So they take us there. This, it's this 12-hour hike through mountains and through waterfalls and through, you know, these natural forming pools. And when we get to the top, and I've seen some cool things in my life, but when I get to the top, it takes my breath away. We look around, we're surrounded by mountains, and there's these natural forming pools, and some people are diving in them, some people are swimming in them, and groups of girls, teenage girls, are around the edge. I'll never forget this. It still gives me chills to think about. And no one told them to do this. No one said, hey, you should get excited about this. No one said, hey, you really should get it. They start screaming. They saw beauty so compelling and so moving. 
that it spilled from the inside to the outside and it demanded a response and it wasn't a feeling they mustered. It was a response that they gave that they saw beauty so staggering that they realized in that moment, I can't contain it. And can I tell you, a watching world is dying to see somebody with a look in their eyes. They're dying to see somebody and meet somebody that's won the lottery. Maybe this is why after Paul had his revelation and vision in heaven, he said to the Ephesian church, I get down on my knees and I pray that God would enlighten the eyes of your heart. See, praise is what I give for what God's done. Worship is what I give for who God is. And I've been praying all week that the Holy Spirit, because until you get to heaven, you can't see Almighty God with your physical eyes. But I want to tell you, just in case this never happened to you, that supernaturally the Spirit of God can open the eyes of your heart and you can catch a glimpse into heaven where 24-7 angels that shake the doorposts of the building are screaming around and flying around and crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm telling you, these angels have been doing it for billions of years. They've never gotten bored. They'll never get bored. Every moment, they're catching a new glimpse of God's splendor, a new ray of God's beauty and glory, and they're blown away by it, and elders are casting their crowns at his feet. And I wonder what would happen today if we caught a glimpse. I wonder what would happen today if we remembered that we are the leper. And we made a decision on Monday morning and on Sunday morning. No rock will cry out in my place even if the nine other lepers never return, even if nobody else will lift their hands, I'm here to say, God, I'm a goner without your grace. Father, I need you to pick me up. God, I'm not going to give you a personality-matching praise, a convenient praise. I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to spend the rest of eternity anyways giving you glory. I was put on this earth and given breath to say, God, you're my all in all. And something happens on the inside of who you are when there's a universe change. And all of a sudden, the solar system doesn't revolve around me. My affections revolve around him. And because I have fallen in love, and I'm so thankful for what he's done, but even more than that, I've seen who he is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he's my father, and he loves me, and he gave his all for me. Why don't you stand to your feet, and why don't you tell him, take 30 seconds and say, God, you've been better to me than I could ever deserve. God, you've given me more than I could ever want. And let me tell you something else that will happen. Your praise won't just break your chains. It will break the chains of the people around you. You won't. You won't you want to experience more than religion? You want to experience the presence of God? God says he inhabits the praises of his people. Why don't you take a seat on the throne that only you can sit on? Why don't you step into the... I can't speak for you, but if the eyes of the Father are looking all throughout the earth, I want them to land on me today and say, I found one. I found one. Hey, Gabriel... There's a lot of people busy. There's a lot of people playing religion. There's a lot of people obsessed with this and obsessed with that. But I found one. I found a worshiper. 
And because he worships me, I can work through him. Anybody? Hey, it's not about a style, but, but I will say this. What would it look like for you to take a step today? I'm not, I'm not saying there's a, there's a line between, you know, the <laughs> holding the TV praise, my fish is this big praise, you know, windshield wiper praise. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But can I tell you this? Life and breakthrough is usually found on the other side of your comfort zone. I've known people that said, I will never be that person that lifts my hands. And then when they finally said, God, I'm going to surrender because a body posture can be a sign of surrender of the heart. They told me that's when I was finally healed. I've had people tell me that's when I was finally filled. I've had people tell me that's when a breakthrough, a portal happened that I've never gotten past because I said my whole life, my spirit, my mind, even my body is going to be a sacrifice of praise. And when people see me, it'll break the chains. Three years ago, I went through the toughest season of my life. And I won't bore you with the details. And you can think less of me if you want to. But I remember one Saturday I woke up and I thought, man, I'm never going to get past this. You ever been there? Anybody honest? You ever been through that dark place you thought you'd never get past? And there's times that I, I didn't handle things right. But that time I, I, thought, I felt like I did. And I remember I got on my knees and I just complained. I said, God, I've done everything I know to do. I've tried to obey you. I've tried to read the Bible. I've listened to every podcast I know to listen to. There's nothing else I can do. And I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm not trying to, I don't hear God every day. But I'm telling you, somewhere deep in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit immediately whisper back, yes, there is something you can do. You can worship. I was living in a little parsonage down, uh, up from the church at the time, and I'll never forget. I wish it happened this way every time. It doesn't. But I walked down to that church. I went down to the front of the altar, and I said, God, even though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Lord, even in the midnight hour, I'm not just going to praise you in the sunshine. I'm going to praise you in the rain. I'm not going to praise you just when it all makes sense. I'm going to give you a shattered heart as worship, and tears are even a language he understands. And God, I'm to give you something to inhabit. And I don't know how to explain it, but the darkness was pierced that night over my life. And the weight lifted. And for a season, it doesn't happen that way all the time, but I want to tell you, your worship is a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. And I want to give you an opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, first of all, I want to give an opportunity for anybody in this place that says, I can't lift holy hands to God because honestly, my Hands are still chained in sin, and I don't even know Jesus. Today's the day you could come home. If that's you, you want to pray this prayer, would you raise your hand? Nobody looking around. Nobody looking. But if that's you, can we pray this together? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I ask you to save a sinner like me. Would you forgive me? Would you make me clean? I believe you died in my place, and I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. And now I want to pray for anybody that the treasure and the lottery winnings in your heart have grown cold. I pray the fire of God hits the sacrifice of your worship today. I pray, what would it look like for a spirit of worship to grip your life again? What would it look like for a spirit of worship to grip this house like never before? In Jesus' name, amen.